Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by uh, Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Dakota Wood is a senior fellow in defense programs at the Heritage Foundation. We'll be talking about uh, the global posture of the Biden administration in terms of its uh, foreign policy. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. And the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will get a, a view of what's going on here locally as well. It is December the 16th, and on this day in 1773 in Boston Harbor, a group of Massachusetts colonists disguised as Mohawk Indians boarded three British tea ships and dumped 342 chests of tea into the harbor. The Midnight Raid, popularly known as the Boston Tea Party, was in protest of the British Parliament's Tea Act of 1773, a bill designed to save the faltering East India Company by greatly lowering its tea tax and granting it a virtual monopoly on American tea trade. The low tax allowed the East India Company to undercut even tea smuggled into America by Dutch traders, and many colonists viewed the act as another example of taxation tyranny. When three ships, the Dartmouth, Eleanor, and Beaver, arrived in Boston Harbor, the colonists demanded the tea be returned to England. After Massachusetts Governor Tom Hutchinson refused, Patriot leaders Tom Samuel Adams organized the Tea Party with about 60 members of the Sons of Liberty, his underground resistance group. The British tea uh, dumped in the harbor was valued at about $18,000. Parliament, outraged by the blatant destruction of British property, enacted the Coercive, also known as the Intolerable Acts, in 1774. The Coercive Acts uh, closed Boston to merchant shipping, established formal British military rule in Massachusetts, made British officials immune to criminal prosecution in America, and required colonists to quarter British troops. Can you imagine that? The colonists subsequently called the first Continental Congress to consider a united American resistance to the British. What choice did they have? They absolutely could not continue to put up with that kind of rule. Uh, again, the British pushing towards uh, uh, pushing America towards the American Revolution. It's no secret that President Joe Biden's various vaccination mandates, except for the one covering the military, have been having a tough slog in courts recently. Nearly all of them are on hold, and the one that seems to be really have one foot in the grave at the moment is the mandate for private employers with more than 100 employees to require vaccinations or testing. The last time we checked, the court was reviewing. That one in a combined fashion that would apply to the entire country, and the early signs don't look good. The Supreme Court has, uh, has also appeared cool to the idea of the federal government overriding the states in such a matter. So what happens if the mandate is permanently shut down? Will employers around the country still embrace the spirit of what Biden wanted them to do and put those rules in place anyway? Well, according to a recent survey via the Society for Human Resources Management, 75% of employers would not commit to such a requirement if the court strikes down the mandate completely. Most of these employers could already have such a mandate in place if they really wanted one. So why haven't they? Well, for many, it appears that the great resignation and the ongoing labor shortage have presented too many challenges as it is. If any measurable chunk of your workforce is among the unvaccinated and you implement such a policy, you're probably just further draining your available labor pool. The people you let go will see, seek work in smaller companies and they won't be impacted by the mandate. And remember, there's a labor shortage. And also those opportunities have been growing in number. The trend seems to be borne out by the survey. 56% cited employee retention concerns as a reason to hold off on implementing the mandate. 73% pointed to concerns over legal challenges, while 65% expressed concerns over the impact the rule would have on employee morale. The original deadline for the OSHA mandate was set for January the 4th. It's only a couple weeks away. The odds of the court having uh, this all sorted out by then appears to be pretty slim. 
And by that time, it's after it's all settled, people may be done with these types of policies and ready just to get back to work. So uh, Biden's administrator's uh, vaccine mandates, well, on thin ice. A federal judge has ordered that a January 6th defendant diagnosed with cancer be released from D.C. jail after an inspection from the U.S. Marshals found the prisoners were living in deplorable conditions. Boy, it's about time they got around to this. U.S. District Court uh, Royce, uh, Judge Royce Lambert said in a statement that the conditions in the jail were so deplorable and beyond belief and ordered the immediate transfer of defendant Christopher Worrell to a different facility. He stated the court had zero confidence that the D.C. jail would provide proper treatment and not retaliate against Worrell. The marshal's inspections discovered the inhumane conditions at the D.C. jail, like shutting down water in many cells for multiple days, clogged toilets. They even discovered an inmate was being pepper sprayed and unable to take a shower for days, which led to an infection. Judge Lamberth made the marshal's report public, which provides horrific details like the D.C. Department of Corrections staff antagonizing detainees and directing detainees not to cooperate with the marshals during their inspection. One D.C. DOC staffer was observed telling a detainee to stop snitching, according to the report. The report stated that detainees were not getting access to water for days and that there was improper food service with meals served cold and congealed. Last month, Lamberth called on the Department of Justice to conduct a civil rights investigation into the alleged civil rights violations that January 6th defendants suffered under the D.C. jail Warren Wanda Pattern and the uh, director of the D.C. Department of Corrections, Quincy Booth. I don't know if it's because he's a January 6th defendant or not, but I find this matter should be referred to the Attorney General of the United States for a civil rights investigation and whether the D.C. Department of Corrections is violating the civil rights of January 6th defendants. In this and maybe other cases, Lambert said at the time. Well, of course, I don't hold a lot of uh, Merrick Garland is probably not going to take action on this, even though I take action against parents uh, who are attending school board members. They'll probably let this one float. Sad. An attorney representing Worrell said in a statement, We are pleased that the court's order allowed Mr. Worrell to obtain life-saving cancer treatments he needs. We're also pleased that over 400 inmates will be transferred to facilities where they'll receive proper treatment and care and not be subjected to the deplorable conditions noted by the United States Marshals' investigation. A significant majority of Republicans believe that liberal activists deserve more blame for the D.C. Act 6 incident at the Capitol, U.S. Capitol. Well, now maybe there are some liberals, but how about the uh, members or the informants for the FBI that participated and actually led this assault? It's just unbelievable. According to the NBC News poll, only 59% say they're concerned about the protest on January 6th and uh, the U.S. Capitol. Of course, the investigation, quote-unquote, continues the January 6th, the uh, sham investigation and committee. Uh, that's not meeting the rules of the parliamentarian, actually, for even having a commitment or uh, uh, issuing any kind of warrants for arrest, which they're doing right now. Uh, Georgia Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's led an effort to improve conditions for January 6th riot defendants held in the Washington, D.C. prison, have, has collected and released a series of tweets by the jailer that appears to show her bias against former President Donald Trump. In a uh, Twitter thread meant to reinforce Green's report on the tale, she uh, titled Unusually Cruel, Green strongly suggested the defendants are receiving unfair treatment in part because of Deputy Warren Kathleen Landerkin. She did not like the January 6th protests. What's more, the Republican hit the media for largely ignoring the conditions in which dozens of defendants are being held because of the news industry's anti-Trump bias. Imagine you protested for a BLM uh, protest, and when the protest turned violent, you were arrested and held for nearly a year, abused harshly, pretrial in jail, under the hateful oversight of war- Deputy Warden, that is, an, uh, a white, rabid Trump supporter. The media stories on this would be nonstop, she tweeted last night. It would win Pulitzer Prizes for courageous journalism. Every single civil rights group and civil rights giant would be protesting outside the jails and suing the entire government, demanding release of the abused BLM pretrial defendants and the deputy warden's head on a platter. 
Only that didn't happen at all, she added. In a series of screen grabs, she also criticized Landrikin, uh, with whom Green verbally tussled during the trips to the jail. Landrikin's spokeswoman did not respond to a request for comment, and her Twitter account appears to have been deleted. There's also much irony in Deputy Warden Kathleen Landrigan's tweets and belief system, wrote Green, adding, just like many Democrats, she complained about a stolen election and wanted President Trump locked up, but now uh, tortures people who rioted at the Capitol over a stolen election. Green has made a few trips to the jail, finally getting in and recently said in a report that conditions were poor. The D.C. jail has transferred some inmates not involved in the January 6th protests due to bad conditions. Unbelievable. Well, congratulations, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for what you're doing. She concluded, I was shocked and upset by the riot on the January 6th. I'll never defend the violence of that day, but I will stand up in the face of authoritarian political warfare and the two-tiered justice system being wielded against Trump supporters. We all should and never allow it again, said uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Boy, I agree with that 100%. And uh, last point, before we move on to some of these interviews, and <laughs> President Joe Biden arrived in Kentucky Wednesday to survey t- tornado damage. He's reportedly greeted with chants of, let's go, Brandon, from the assembled crowd. <laughs> President Biden. Unbelievable. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to visit with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambos says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Golden Gate Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected into the community and with each other. The Golden Gate Senior Center provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Tatiana Fortune, director of the Golden Gate Senior Center. We want to be able to connect you to whatever service or activity. And even if the person doesn't want to come out for socialization, if they have a question about, um, hey, where do I go for transportation? Where do I go for uh, a certain health care if they have a need? We are able to point them in that direction through our information and referral service. So we're more than happy to assist in that as well. To find out more, visit callyourseniorresources.org. That's callyourseniorresources.org or call the Senior Center directly at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new uh, uh, refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. 
Coming up, we're going to visit with Dakota Wood, Senior Fellow at the, the Heritage Foundation. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw, co-founder of a terrific organization called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, uh, we're a grassroots coalition now of well over 100 groups across the, uh, the state of Florida. Uh, we focus on K-12 through education. Um, from our perspective, what we're trying to do there is uh, just really expand uh, a school choice, education choice. Um, we're huge fans of uh, the scholarship programs we have here in Florida, uh, homeschooling, etc. Um, we're also trying to get rid of the indoctrination. Um, you know, it ranges all the way from critical race theory to the pornography in our schools to the, just the degradation of our constitutional values. Point out to our listeners that uh, your legacy so far in the 10 years, the decade that you've been in business right now has just been extraordinary. Uh, no more Common Core in Florida, in large part because of the efforts of the Florida Citizens Alliance, Keith, and his uh, co-founder, uh, uh, Rick, uh, Pastor Rick. Uh, Stevens, just doing a great job and uh, having some terrific influence on legislators in Tallahassee. So, Keith, uh, well done. And by the way, you mentioned uh, uh, the propaganda going on in our schools. I understand the governor took an important stand with regard to critical race theory. Uh, yesterday morning at 9 o'clock in the villages, uh, he made an amazing announcement that uh, we've been fighting for, for um, you know, specifically for the last couple of months and, and, and longer than that in, in reality. Um, it's called the uh, Stop Woke Act. Uh, Stop st uh, stands for Stop Wrongs Against Our Kids and Employees Act. Um, but it, it uh, does some amazing things. Uh, it puts into statute the Department of Education and State Board of Education rule from last July, and it puts it into statute so that uh, no taxpayer dollars should be used to teach our kids to hate our country and each other. Uh, what's really, uh, you know, we've been to Tallahassee the last couple of months a number of times. Mm -hmm. We've met with uh, the, the sponsors of the, of the anti-CRT bill, uh, Chair Randy Fine in the House and Senator Gruters. We've met with Corcoran, uh, Commissioner of, um, of Education. We met with the Deputy Chief of Staff for the Governor, and we supported their bill, but we urged them at every turn of the road to put some teeth in it. So the governor announced yesterday, and this is amazing, that the legislation will give the parents the, the individual right of, of action to be able to enforce the prohibition on CRT, and they can recover um, attorney's fees. So they're giving the parents the opportunity and the right uh, to take the the system to court hmm. if uh, if if they're you know if 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 they're experiencing CRT in their schools, so uh, th that's a really major step. And uh, you know, we just experienced with the governor um, you know standing up against the mass mandate and the 15 mutinous counties that laws without penalties are meaningless. Mm -hmm. So we're really excited to see that uh, he's put some. Uh, uh, you know, he's demanding that they put some right of action. Uh, I call it giving lawyers a, a hunting license. So. <laughs> well, the other part of this, of course, they, you, you could just change the name, the critical race theory, but the substance of the, and, and that's been pointed out, for example, Loudoun County in Virginia. In other words, they try and deny the fact that it's being taught, but it's just operating under a different name, but the, but the information is the same. Do you think we can actually uh, eradicate critical race theory from uh, from our state? Well, I think it's going to be a challenge. Um, uh, uh, the NEA has stepped up, and they're actually encouraged their training teachers across the country. Uh, NEA, by the way, is the National Education Association, so they're the big, you know, the big teachers union, hmm. and they've they've publicly announced uh, that they're training teachers to teach critical race theory. They're urging them at every turn of the road to ignore. Um, you know, states like Florida that are that are trying to curtail this. So, um, you know, I'm it, it's going to be a battle. Uh, but, it, uh, you know, thanks to our governor, um, we're certainly moving in a, in a very positive direction. We are indeed. Of course, uh, the National Education Association certainly are positioning themselves for eradication themselves. My goodness, I mean, we're talking about school choice and some of the things that are going on, the movements going on in education right now. They seem to be positioning themselves to be on the wrong end, on the end of the limb, on the wrong side. <laughs> if if well, but, uh, but that's, you know, we have to start calling them what they are. Yeah. They're Marxists. 
they're absolute Marxists and they're right. promoting Marxist theory at every turn of the road. And until um, you know, we, we the general public stands up and starts to, starts to understand that, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to continue to to uh, get away with what they're trying to do. Well, we can only be grateful for our governor and uh, for the wisdom of his decisions and the great leadership he's providing, especially when you contrast it against what's happening in other states and the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates and all the things that are going on right now. I mean, just so grateful that our governor is a firewall against all this. Well, this uh, Woke Act does one other major thing. Uh, it actually extends the the the, the, the legislation uh, to higher education. Uh, it does two things. It extends it to higher education, uh, but uh, equally important, it extends it, it extends it to all commercial businesses in Florida. Wow! And and I quote: "So we believe that this corporate CRT is basically corporate sanctioned racism, and they're trying to shove it down their employers' throats. We believe that Florida." that this violates Florida Civil Rights Act, and we're going to hold them accountable. So That's great um, news. Yeah, so it really is a powerful uh, step in the right direction. Now we've got to get the legislation passed by both chambers. Well, you can understand Keith's enthusiasm. You can feel it in this interview, quite frankly, and they, he and uh, Pastor Rick have done a great job. All this takes money, of course, and I'd hope you to uh, support the Florida Citizens Law. It's a big event coming up on March. Uh, Keith, maybe you can tell us about it. Yes, it's uh, our, our annual gala event. It's going to be at the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, we have now three, uh, three um, keynote speakers. Uh, Dennis Prager, uh, many of your listeners will identify him. He's sure. amazing. Uh, Charlie Kirk um, from Turning Point USA. And we're just announcing that um, 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 Seth Dillon uh, from Babylon B. Uh, will be one of our speakers as well. So uh, it's it's our fundraising event. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Um, when we get to about two thirds of our expected 400 ticket sales, uh, we're we're planning on taking the price up. So it's a great opportunity to buy uh, to buy a Christmas present for your significant other yep. and yourself, and um, take advantage of. Uh, of an, an, uh, an amazing event and help us continue to do what we do. Absolutely. And of course, some of it is going to be tax deductible. Good time to buy the tickets before the end of the year, the tax year. Yep. So uh, That's you, exactly right. you can go to goflca.com. Goflca.com is the website. A lot of great information on there, too. Check out the website and make a contribution, get some tickets for the event coming up in March. Keith, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Take care. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank Thank you so much. All right, coming up, Dakota Wood. He is the uh, senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. 
with dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Not only building a new performing arts center in downtown Naples, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Dakota Wood. He's a senior fellow in defense programs at the Heritage Foundation, also a veteran of the Marine Corps for two decades. Dakota, thank you so much for joining us. No, it's just a great pleasure to be with you. Thanks. Thank you so much, Dakota. So, uh, uh, for our listeners that may not be aware, probably very few of them, but tell us about the uh, Heritage Foundation. Uh, it's a conservative-based uh, uh, policy institute here in Washington, D.C. Uh, we've got staff maybe 300, and a little over half of those are researchers. And we try to advocate for conservative uh, policies out of the federal government uh, across everything. I mean, education. Uh, you know, social spending, tax policy, health care, defense, foreign policy, you, know, you name it. So we really try to fight for limited government, maximize you know, individual freedom, uh, you know, pushing issues down to local and state levels where people really know, you know the truth of their own situations. Yeah. And, uh, you know, been in business since the early 1970s, 73. And uh, you know, fairly influential in, in D.C. fighting for the American public. Absolutely. And uh, your work has never been more critical. I just refer our listeners to your website, heritage.org, heritage.org. Uh, Dakota, you wrote a column, which is really fascinating to me. and kind of sets the table for a discussion about foreign policy. Joe Biden's Global Posture Review was a nothing burger. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, the uh, Biden team comes into office January 20th, almost a year ago, and uh, everything the previous administration had done uh, was absolutely wrong, you know, according to the Biden team, and they were going to set things right. So they started undertaking this massive review of U.S. engagement in the world and, you know, how we would go about doing things in a much friendlier or adult sort of fashion, you know, if you believe the criticism of, uh, of Donald Trump. Uh, and so they, they took on this global posture review, you know, what's the status of U.S. military forces and where are they at in the world and all. And uh, after roughly nine months or so, they concluded, eh, things are pretty good. <laughs> no major changes really needed, uh, in spite of the fact that everybody's talking about, you know, the rise of a very aggressive expansionist China, uh, Russia, that has, you know, seen used uh, uh, portions of land from other countries uh, in Europe, uh, you know, what's going on in Syria with Bashar al-Assad, his you know, continued just atrocious behavior against you know, Syria's own citizens, uh, nuclear-armed North Korea and Iran, you know, that's bent on being a nuclear power. So in spite of all that stuff and people talking about it, eh, yeah, we're okay. <laughs> and, uh, so that's, you know, it was just a very letdown and a lot of defense analysts, national security professionals, you know, in, in the world that I work in, uh, were just appalled by it. Yeah. Uh, you know, very disappointed. So. Yeah. I mean, a position of pretty much denial of where we stand right now in the globe, especially post-Afghanistan. Right. Now, the president tried to put some uh, lipstick on his pig by having a democracy summit the other day. You Any comments on that? Uh, well, you know, the democracies uh, invited uh, didn't cover all democracies, and a stunning uh, event, uh, which just shows what a, um, a goofy sort of event it was, was Taiwan, uh, the minister uh, that attended, um, was uh, speaking about all the advances that Taiwan has made, you know, in protecting individual liberty and freedom and having representation, representative government, and those sorts of things, and it's shown a graphic 
where different countries were color coded according to the free societies and the amount of you know democratization that has occurred you know over time and had Taiwan in a different color than mainland China. You know, mainland China is run by communists. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Xi Jinping and his guys there in uh, in Beijing. And um, as soon as that graphic came on, and the minister was speaking about it, they then switched to the moderator. And when they brought the minister back on from Taiwan, only audio, they had cut the visual feed. And this was a decision made by the White House. Huh. So it was stunning that in a summit for democracies, a great democracy in the Western Pacific wasn't allowed to show how democratic they are. I mean, <laughs> the, the irony there is just uh, as eye-watering. So I think it's representative of really some of the foolish steps that the, the Biden administration has taken over the last half year. Yeah, I mean, uh, President Trump's position you know, with China was pretty clear. I mean, he was pretty upset with them with regard to the uh, the, the uh, virus. Uh, he, he, was, uh, he was in their face on a lot of fronts, and uh, President Biden seems to be very accommodative. And, uh, uh, and I'm concerned that he's been uh, compromised by his son, Hunter. Any thoughts there? Well, yeah, it's a rhetoric reality gap, you know, that they say things about, you know, what America stands for. And they talk about the evils of, you know, imprisoning a million Muslim Uyghurs in in Western China, Um, you know, how it is absolutely shut down. Uh, freedom and democracy in Hong Kong, what its intent is for Taiwan, militarizing the South China Sea, building islands. So they talk about that. You know, they talk about the dangers of Huawei as a 5G technology provider that all companies in China ultimately have to report back to the central government and provide you know their data and information that they collect uh, worldwide. So they say all these things, and yet the actions are the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to send an official to the Beijing Olympics, but certainly all the athletes you know, get to go and reap you know, billions of dollars for the Chinese economy. Uh, American sports teams and the entertainment industry uh, are always bowing in the direction of you know Beijing and China because they don't want to lose access to a billion-person market. So the reality of uh, this administration's policies uh, undercut any of the rhetoric, you know, the positive statements they make. And I think it, it really is representative of their entire approach to these these horrible regimes in Moscow and Tehran and Pyongyang. Yeah, I mean, this uh, 70,000 troops or more on the uh, bo- Ukraine border from uh, from Russia, also in Taiwan. I would imagine that uh, the uh, Chinese would probably wait until after the Olympics to do something about Taiwan. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's, I mean, always a, a, a chase for prestige uh, by these capitals, you know, that want to host big events and those sorts of things. And so hosting the Olympics is a, is a really globally recognized event, and China doesn't want to damage that. It's going to occur in a couple months anyway. But, but in the case of both China and Russia, uh, they see what I believe is a closing window of opportunity. They've got their own demographic problems with, you know, birth rates uh, that are much lower than than death rates, you know, fatalities, or you know, people dying off the older generations. Uh, the economies are really dependent on uh, selling energy on the part of Russia and. Um, you know, cheap goods uh, based on cheap labor uh, for uh, for China. Um, and as you know, the United States hopefully gets its act together in 2024 and later um, and uh, countries in the, in the periphery around these other countries, you know, whether it's, um, you know, Vietnam and Australia and Japan and South Korea and stuff and, and, and uh, with respect to China or its Western democracies in Europe around Russia, um, I think both Beijing and Moscow see an opportunity to do things that they can do now mm-hmm. before uh, demographics and economic and military power things start bending against them. So there is incentive for China to make its move on Taiwan, and there is certainly incentive for Russia to make its move to kind of reclaim some of the Soviet territories and uh, send this message to Europe that Russia is a force to be reckoned with and that Russia's interests should be taken into account whenever any of the 
European countries make any kind of economic or foreign policy decisions. And such an interesting summary. Again, uh, Dakota Wood, uh, Senior Fellow in Defense Programs at the Heritage Foundation. I encourage you to visit the website, heritage.org. And by the way, check out Dakota Wood's uh, column. Again, Joe Biden's Global Posture Review was a nothing burger. So interesting. Dakota, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great blessing for me. Merry Christmas. Thank you. You as well. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Seat Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months, finally having exhausted all alternatives for pain management. Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Right now we have with us Seaton Motley. He's the president and founder of a terrific organization. It's called Less Government. Seaton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Tell us about Less Government, Seaton. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's an uphill battle. It's an aspiration for sure. But going and kind of going against the tide right now. So, Seton, you yeah. wrote a, such an interesting column. I'd like you to share it with our listeners. Build back, never let carbon tax them. Let's carbon tax them, not us. Which I agree with. This tell us about it. Well, we've got in the middle of build back better. One of the main ingredients of build back better. One of the a bunch of the provisions is damaging our economy to in the name of climate change. And that's what you do. I mean, no matter what they say, what they're doing is, is they're hurting our economy in order to lower our carbon dioxide output. Now, do I think carbon dioxide is a pollutant? No. Ask any tree, ask any plant. Everything green it's God's little perfect reciprocation. Right. We exhale carbon dioxide and inhale oxygen. Plants um, exhale car- oxygen and inhale carbon dioxide. It's a perfect symbiotic relationship. Right. Now, one of the things that there was, there was originally a carbon tax in the Build Back Better bill, and Manchin has insisted it disappear. Mm-hmm. And one of the many reasons this ba- bill is just 
you know, stalled uh, like a like a bad car is because some Democrats are pushing to put it back in, and of course, you know, matching, you know, there's going to be the, the record. There's never going to get to reconciliation because there's going to be a different bill in the House, a different one in the Senate, and then they had to reconcile it. And I don't know how they do that, but anyway. The carbon tax was in this bill, and of course that's a, they tax you based on how much carbon dioxide output you have. Which mm-hmm. now, if we're going to we're the only country that's that's hamstringing our own economy in the name of climate change. Right. You've got giant economies like China, Russia, and India, who are building tons of additional uh, coal power plants. They're they're pumping oil like crazy, you know. Uh, remember, Russia's going to put in the Nord Stream two pi- pipeline with Biden's permission to, to Western Europe. Um, they're the we're the only ones damaging our economy in the name of this stuff. They're all doing what they need to do to produce energy, mm-hmm. coal, uh, oil, etc. So rather than carbon taxing our companies. And giving them yet another reason to leave the country and take their jobs with them and go overseas to, to China, who's building, you know, m- m- one of my favorite ironies, I wrote a piece a couple months ago, uh, China's using coal-fired power plants to make solar panels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to sell to us. <laughs> to, to sell to us and the rest of the planet. Um, and so rather than additionally harming our economy, by imposing a carbon tax, and we're the only ones harming our economy in the name of climate change, we should impose a carbon tax at the border on products from countries that aren't doing anything about climate change. In other words, tax everyone else except us, because we're the only ones doing anything in the name of this nonsense. So that's – that, and, and I, I wrote about a border adjustment tax in February of 2017. I found an old piece that I'd forgotten about. Um, and then I started writing about it again this year when the Build Back Better bill was being discussed. And, lo- and the, right now, the only people on board with this are some, are some Democrats. There are yeah. some Democrats call, calling for it. Now, are they calling for it for the same reasons I am? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Um, but... Um, you know, the, the fact is they're the ones that are, you know, they're the only ones in D.C. right now uh, that, are, that are calling for a, a carbon border adjustment tax to address, you know, if China, you know, China skips the stupid global climate summit, Russia skips the global China, you know, they don't even show up anymore. I mean, it's, it's completely a joke. No, I know. So if, 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 if we're going to harm our economy, let's harm theirs, too. You know, uh, see, back to your initial premise, I mean, the whole notion of climate change and carbon dioxide emissions and so forth, the the premise of the entire thing is bogus because, again, the symbiotic relationship you point out between uh, nature, uh, vegetation, it's it's natural and it's uh, keeping us alive and it keeps the earth greener the more carbon dioxide we have in our atmosphere, which, by the way, is a trace element. But your point, if in fact there was any validity to it, the whole notion of having some sort of a tax, carbon tax, not on us, but on, on uh, imports, is brilliant, in my opinion. Well, well th- thank you. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's simply a matter of not uh, – let's spread the misery around. If we're going to do this <laughs> misery yes. in, in the name of climate change and, and – and, uh, again, it's it's supposed to be a global thing. It's a global climate. It's a it's 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 a planetary problem. If we're the only country on the planet doing this, yeah, uh, doing things in, in 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 its name, and they 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 keep promising and never doing anything about it. Well, then let's. This is no different than what we talked about with other th- with other subsidies. It's a subsidy for China to use coal-fired power plants if we're using wind and solar. Yeah. Because it's, they, they're getting cheaper energy to do stuff, and that's an unfair trade advantage yeah. for them. Yeah, it's, it's, their prices are lower because they can have better energy than we do. Like, I mean, if we're going to be stupid, let's tax other people for not being stupid like us. That's pretty much well, what. The- <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is, but I mean, it's, it's we've got to do something to protect our domestic industries. That's exactly if we're right. If going to be this dumb.
dumb. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a a great thought. I've never, I didn't, I've never thought about it in this way though, and I think it makes all the sense in the world. Um, among other ways to to create tariffs and taxes, this is a great way to do it, Seton. And uh, by the way, what are we going to do with all these uh, solar panels once they're uh, used up? I mean, oh, they're poison. Yeah, they're nuclear. You have to treat them like nuclear waste when they're done. Same, by the way, with the wind turbines. Yeah, and it's because of the rare earth minerals that are in them. When when, the, the, when they expire, they're awful. They're, I mean, and not, not not only are they awful to get out of the planet, you see how they're strip mining the, the rainforest in South America to get to rare earth minerals to make these stupid batteries, and these stupid panels, and these stupid turbines. But then, you know, we're, we're pumping them into the system now, and in 20 to 25 years, they all go bad, right. and you have to replace them. And what do you do with all of them? I mean, this is not... This is not plastic you can bury in a landfill. This yeah. is this is nuclear waste you have to dispose of. It's just unbelievable, Seton. How do it's you know? And you know what the the sad thing is that these are resources that we could be using to make our economy better and make the way of life of Americans even better. But the point is that you know when if you waste capital, it tends to gravitate to others that use it well. Unfortunately, right. we're not using it well at all. No, we're being very, very stupid about it. And, you know, it's, it's like, we, like when we started the ethanol stupidity and, burn, you know, burning food for fuel, the, the price of corn tortillas in China and Mexico tripled. And you know why we did that? We did that because Gore wanted to win Iowa. <laughs> that's, that's right. And that's how that's we right. ended up with that's how we if ended up Iowa with ethanol. If Iowa was not first in the presidential primary races, we'd have gotten rid of ethanol years ago. <laughs> yeah, that's unbelievable. It's ruining our car engines right now as we speak. See, yes, yes. it's see, also terrible for the machinery. That's correct. Yeah, Seaton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. You'll find this column. Also, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. Coming up, the former mayor of, uh, of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity, maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the very robust website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, it's always on Thursday mornings to uh, hear that bright, sunny voice of yours. And yours as well, Bill. Hey, and we've got an election coming up on February the 1st. How's it looking? Uh, it's interesting. You know, there uh, uh, there's a lot of posturing going on. Uh, I, I will tell you that during yesterday's uh, council meeting, uh, the, the mayor made a statement that um, they were going to be out of there by 5 o'clock yesterday. She, she announced that at the beginning of the meeting. And uh, I think it was seven something when they when they picked up. <laughs> like yeah, okay. And they were try- and they also pushed some items off that they were going to do yesterday. So now there was one poor guy that had to got up there, you know, late in the. I mean, it was it was when they were almost done, and um, his item was up, and it was about all he really wanted to do was. He has four umbrellas uh, in front of his restaurant, and he wants to just put two large ones there, period. That was the whole thing, and they were going back and forth. And, the, and she said, well, he said, I can't, I can't let you not let me do anything until January. It's, this is the biggest part of the season, the Christmas, New Year's week, and everything else. And so they went back and forth, and uh, the poor guy, I mean, I felt miserable for him. And then... They finally said, well, okay, we'll temporarily let you do this until we can get back into the code stuff by <laughs> January. And it was like, oh my God. And then at the end, the city attorney says, they're talking about not getting things done. Um, and, and the mayor is squawking. Well, of course, half of it is on her anyway, but um, they, she's squawking and she can't get figure out answers to things she's asking about. And so the city attorney finally says to her, well, we, we've got some issues that, that we really need to deal with um, um, because things are falling through the cracks here and um, we, we, you know, we're understaffed and, and we need to do, you know, she just kind of kind of a mumbo jumbo answer. Um, and uh, it was like, I, I don't mind if if one of the city managers or um, or a staff member says, hey, you know, we're we're. There's some stuff sliding through the cracks, but we'll get it. You know, we'll get this fixed right away. Obviously, you know, and but to have the city attorney say something like that in public, um, that the things are going through the cracks because it seems like they're getting a lot of litigation, mm. and uh, we kind of we kind of figured that was going to happen. And I candidly don't think that they that the city attorney can handle all of it. They hired another attorney do some litigation or to handle some of the litigation and putting together on the beach club. And um, I think council was a little bit surprised at that, to say the least, Um, because when you, you know, when you hire a firm, they're supposed to take care of any, if they're going to shop something out, which happens often, or you say, Hey, look, this isn't our level of expertise, but we'll whatever. But in this case, boy, I was really surprising yesterday. So now they are all on break until the 19th. And the scary part is, is that they gave, Heitman the uh, opportunity to to negotiate some some things, although minor, they still gave her full power to go ahead and do that, which is really scary. Yeah, that. So uh, this this guy who wants two umbrellas and oh, two big ones instead of uh, four umbrellas, he right. he's sitting there for like twelve hours trying to get yeah. his piece of business yeah. taken care of. Yeah, he was there probably since eight thirty yesterday morning. <laughs> 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 it's, like, it's like, um, I you know, I. Uh, it's just so mis-disorganized. Yeah. And, and I do know, honestly, we, won't, we certainly don't have to go into it today, and I know that if, if I know how to fix that problem, okay, I really and truly do. Um, and it really it goes back and starts with the city manager and with the staff, and it can be fixed. Council has to realize that they're not going to put 16 agenda items on that agenda for tomorrow's meeting, let's just say, and get them all done. When you look at the length and you look at the at the complexity of some of those items, and you could say to yourself, "There's no way because they're not going to blow this one off in 15 minutes. This is going to be a good hour discussion, if and maybe more." And they don't 
they just don't plan it out right. So I, I just keep my mouth shut, Bob, and watch what goes on. You know, it's like I'm not in office anymore, and and uh, uh, if they need my help, they can ask for it. Well, that's, <laughs> and, but you know what? Which is sad. You'd be a great resource for any city council because of well, the experiences that you have. And I, how many phone calls have you gotten saying, "Hey, Bill, we need some help on this one." Well, it's, you know where I get all my, uh, I get none. Uh, I get all my support is when I'm in Publix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People say, Mayor, Mayor, are you coming back? Are, are you going to run again? Uh, will you run again? We miss you. I mean, it's like whenever I need a boost, I just go to Publix, even if I don't need anything. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I would. I certainly appreciate that. I mean, we miss you, uh, Bill, as, as mayor of Naples. Not only great mayor, but also I re- remember uh, doing all the – uh, all the events, uh, emceeing all the events, but oh, also yeah. being a great presence on media as well. I just, uh, the, your presence has been well, sorely missed. Thank you, Bob, but I still have the Bob Harden show. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's a plus. I look forward to it. So uh, what's going on in, in, in your world? Well, good things. I mean, uh, ironically, I had a, a little bit of trouble with my uh, IT. How can it be? That you can turn on your computer and everything on Monday morning to do a show and nothing works. It just, it must be gremlins or something. Now, that my, my IT guy says, hey, look, everything uh, works according to logic. All you have to do is to follow the logic. Well, yeah. that's not true. I, mean, we ha- I know I have gremlins in this stuff. <laughs> I know yeah. they're in there creating chaos. I think we all uh, suffer from that. I'll tell you, it, it, it's, uh, it's just there. You know, and it's like you say, because it's a Monday morning, that's, you know, that's the excuse we use, right? Well, it's Monday. Everything everything happens Monday. So yeah. you can't get booted up. You know, um, things happen. But, uh, yeah, and uh, as far as um, around the world, what do you – what do you, what's your number one thought? The the COVID virus, the Omicron, the well, – ha- just backwards. Well, uh, you know, I read this morning that apparently it's really contagious and it's spreading like wildfire throughout the United States. I'm not hearing about too many cases down here. Uh, but, uh, to me, you know, I, I just figure we all have immune systems and if we take care of ourselves, stay in good health, unless we have a, a com- compromised or uh, repressed immune systems, we should be okay because this, apparently this variant is uh, supposed to be, while it's contagious, it's not as virulent as, uh, others. No, but you know, and again, it comes down to, you know, we could discuss this in, uh, ad nauseum, uh, it is a matter of, I mean, they said for a fact it's, you know, a lot of it has to do with the unvaccinated. Well, that's a choice that's made. Mm-hmm. And um, um, they did say that, <clears throat> excuse me, they did say the people that were vaccinated had milder um, cases of it, which is good. I, I just, <clears throat> I just look, say it's your choice and um, you do what you need to do that you're comfortable with and move on. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think it's important. What you just said is so critical. The fact of the matter is, do you recall when uh, uh, all this information, this medical information was private between you and your doctor? You weren't even in a workplace you weren't supposed to share it. And now now it's uh, all uh, public. I can't believe we're actually threatening to fire uh, workers frontline workers in healthcare who are helped us get through the first year say okay now you're fired here's your pink slip <laughs> yeah you know there's just a lot going on that you can't put your finger on and you can't come up with a solution i mean i'm i'm looking at, at new york and uh, i guess it's california and whatever uh i know the mayor the uh, governor of new york said uh desk mandates okay mask at your desk that's what it was yeah um i mean I, I just uh, it's it's hard for me to fathom. Look, look at it the other way. And I know I, I know your um, uh, position on this and it's fine. You know, I mean, but look at it from the other standpoint. Look at it from mine for a second. And I say, hey, are you kidding me? I've already had two shots, a booster, a flu shot, a single shot. What do you name it? Right. Right. I mean, I'm shot up. And and you're gonna tell me, look, you 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 need to you have to wear a mask when you're here, or whatever. I just I do it, and I just keep my mouth shut. And it's like, okay, whatever, because that'll change also. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, again, there's, in my view, it seems to me somebody who's got a a problem, a health problem, is gonna make good decisions for themselves and their neighbors. Nobody wants to make the neighbor sick. So. Nobody nobody right. wants to get sick themselves. So we don't need a governor telling us what to wear at, a, <laughs> at our desk. Yeah. 
I know, and there's a lot of opposition to it to it as well. But uh, anyway, you're around for the holidays. We're around for the holidays. How about you and your family, Bill? Oh, we're we are uh, we're we're staying put. You know, I uh, know you know. Last week we lost our bulldog. Ah, uh, yeah, Sa- Sasha, right? Zaja. Zaja, yeah, unfortunately. That's, that's so sad. So, yeah, but, you know, as I say, she she uh, she had a good life and she gave us a good life. So yeah. we're, you know, a little bit sad. But, no, we're going to be around uh, uh, for the holidays. We have no uh, no travel plans, and I don't particularly want to travel during the holidays anyway. <laughs> no, neither do we. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. Always appreciate your commentary here on the, on the show, Bill. Thank you so well, much Bob, for joining us. Have a, have a great weekend, and uh, I'll speak to you next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, Bill. All right, well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. Taryn Bragdon is the president and founder of the Foundation for uh, Government Accountability. Terrific organization. Where do you find out about some of the work they're doing? Michael Cannon is the director of health studies, uh, policy studies at the Cato Institute as well. Uh, always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>